Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join with us in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us today. Again, greetings to our guys over in Appleton and uh, Stevens Point and all the people who watch us on television all over northern Wisconsin and all around the world. And I mean that literally. We uh, are able to track and see that all these people that all places of the world and oftentimes get uh, contacted by these people about what a difference some of this has made in their lives. And you say, well, that's cool. That's just Christians, you know, looking for different things to find online. They're not all Christians. It's, it's amazing how many people uh, have listened to some of these broadcasts, the podcasts, and all these different things that we do that have come to faith. And they tell us, you know, I ran across you for whatever reason and listened to you, and it made such a difference in my life, and I, I came to faith in Jesus. Uh, <laughs> one of them <laughs> was a guy, he said, you know, I've, I've followed you for, for months and months and months, and I just hated you. <laughs> I just hated you. I, just, I wanted to kill you. That's what he wrote. I wanted to kill me. That's why we have people in this congregation with guns. <laughs> Anyway, praise the Lord for that. But he said, I got so mad, I had to go check it out for myself. And he got saved. And now he's sharing the gospel all over the place. I was just in the Czech Republic last week. And uh, this is where former, former Czechoslovakia, they split it in half. Now it's the Czech Republic and Slovakia. And uh, I was over there speaking at this big festival. Thing. This was not a Christian event. This was just a big festival. Czechos, uh, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, all, much of uh, uh, Eastern Europe, Central Europe, Eastern Europe uh, was very dominated by the Russians for many, many, many years, decades. And uh, they taught all those people about atheism. Atheism, atheism. It's a very, still to this day, a very atheistic country. One of the few countries that resisted against it was Poland. God bless the Poles. They held on to their faith in the midst of all that insanity. But the Czech Republic is one of these places where, you know, very, you know there's a small percentage of people who are Christians. Uh, and there's this, there's this big thing, like 50,000 people show up for these three, four days. And they've got 13 stages where different bands are playing and stuff. And, uh, and then uh, these venues where speakers from all over the world come and they have, you know, these intellectual discussions about everything under the sun that you can imagine. You know, you have like, you know, former, you know, Nobel Peace Prize or whatever, you know, and me. <laughs> so anyway, so 
I'm one of these guys that they had found online, again with the online, and, uh, uh, you know, asked me to come over and speak. And uh, it went over amazingly well. The first night, their, their biggest venue for a speaker, 1,300 people, they said the pre-tickets sold out, boom, right away. And then there was another 2,000 people outside wanting to get in, but they watched it on a screen. You know, and the next morning thing, and the next night, same deal. People were mad because they couldn't get in and stuff. It was truly amazing. Anyway, at one of these venues, I think it was the next morning, uh, some lady comes up to me, and she hands me this real nice bottle in a box, you know, bottle of wine. And it's, uh, <clears throat> I want to give this to you. I said, well, thank you. She says, I was not a Christian all my life, and I started watching you on the Internet. And I became a Christian. And she started sharing. I mean, it's amazing how many people are being touched by this. And, and hopefully most of them don't, don't want to kill me. Anyway, but when you support the work that we're doing here, it's literally touching people's lives all over the world. There will be people you will meet in eternity who will come up to you and say, thank you. And you'll say, why? So I, I wouldn't be here, but the fact that you supported and made this church possible that I could listen to the message on a, on a computer somewhere. I mean, it's, it's really, really exciting thing. Anyway, thank you for your faithfulness in the work that we're doing. Uh, Pastor Bob did a fabulous job last week. Give it up for Pastor Bob. He's doing great. I think he's over in, where is he at today? Stevens Point? Where? Oh, he's not even at work. He's a slacker. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you don't want to repeat that. All right. Anyway, I uh, want to give a shout out this morning of, for Alex and Sarah Vasio. So that's how you say it, right? There they are, two young people from our uh, congregation over in Appleton. They got married. Woo-hoo! Give me a hand. Adorable, 18 and 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, they've been listening to their pastor. Anyway, their family, great part of our congregation over in Appleton. Good morning to you guys, and congratulations. It's fabulous. Uh, we believe in young marriage. We don't believe you have to get married young. You don't ever have to get married. Uh, you know, but if you fall in love with someone, just get married. You stay out of trouble that way. All right. Follow self, so, well, I don't want my kids to get married young. Well, then don't let them date. Some of these parents are dumb as bricks. The very ones who, I don't want my kids to get married until they're 42, let them start dating at 14. What do you think's going to happen? People. Why do they get married young? Because they probably started dating at 16 or 17. That's what happens. <laughs> don't get started on it. Just leave it alone. Leave it alone. All right. We'll talk about it again some other time. We are doing a series on the significant events of the Old Testament, uh, going through and learning historically some of these major events. How did we get to today? Why are things the way that they are? Well, it all starts in the beginning, and the Old Testament puts it together. Now, we're not going through the entire Old Testament. That would take forever. This is taking long enough. We're going through and taking some of the key events so we can understand. Uh, we are now talking about, and have been, this is the fourth week now, we're talking about the life of Jacob. 
Abraham has a son named Isaac who has a son named Jacob. And we've been looking at Jacob. Jacob eventually has his name changed to Israel. And to this day, it's the nation of Israel. Interesting, isn't it? Nation of Israel, not the nation of Abraham. That's what a big deal Jacob was. We don't hear that much. We don't think that much about Jacob. But it's a big, stinking deal. He has 12 sons. Uh, and they become the 12 tribes of Israel. What we read about all through the Old Testament, eventually comes Jesus the Messiah. So this guy Jacob, he, uh, he's a twin. He's, he has a brother, twin, who's born three minutes before he is. Anyway, in that culture, whoever pops out first, they get everything. So he's the oldest son, and uh, he has the birthright. Well, Jacob, uh, brother Esau, the, the twin, older one, comes in one day. He's really hungry, and, and uh, give me something to eat. And Jacob said, I'm not going to give you anything to eat unless you give me your birthright. And Esau says, I don't care. So he gives him the birthright uh, and for a bowl of beans. And the Bible does not condemn Jacob for squirreling it out of his brother's hands. It condemns Esau for giving it up. Don't give up what you hold true and dear. Don't surrender the valuable things you have in your life for a, a bowl of beans. The thing is, they look really pretty beans. Oh, the world has really pretty beans. They take beans and they dress them up. Ooh, what a great time. Ooh, drink this beer. Actually, drink these 45 beers. Ooh, wonderful glowing beans. Ooh, look at this girl. Oh, look at that guy. Oh, ooh, beans, beans, beans. Chase all the beans. But when you chase the beans at the end of the day, you just end up with gas. All right? So, don't. <laughs> I don't know why you people come here. Don't. Don't, don't give up what you hold valuable and true for being. Somebody say amen. amen. All right. Then Jacob has an experience with God. He has this vision of these angels coming up and down the ladders called Jacob's Ladder. All kinds of people get these great theories about what it means. I don't care what it means. That's not the point. The point is he experiences God. See, you can't just go off of the faith of your grandpa. All right? You might have the most wonderful devout grandparents you've ever known on earth. You might have the most wonderful devout parents on earth, but if you don't have an experience with God yourself, you young people, escuchame, listen to me. You need to experience God for yourself. Even if you're in a wonderful church like this, some point it needs to become real to you. It's when it becomes real to you. That's when it's real. All right? No, you know, God doesn't have any grandchildren. Think it through. My grandma was real. No, no, you don't get into heaven on that. You got to get this for yourself. We talked about that, all right? Then we went through the story of Rachel and Leah. Rachel was the hot chick. Leah was the not-so-hot chick sisters. And uh, Jacob works for seven years to get Rachel. Well, at the last minute, he <laughs> they pull, pull a switcheroo on him. He winds up with Leah. Ah, I don't want Leah. I want Rachel. So he works for another seven years, gets Rachel right away, but he has to work for another seven years as a result of it. And so he's got these two daughters, uh, two sisters, daughters, two sisters that he, are his wife, first cousins. We don't get any worse than that. And so he marries these two girls, and then they start having babies. And then we start what we talked about a few weeks ago about the baby wars, all right? They wanted to have the most amount of babies. And they wind up having 12 sons that become the 12 tribes of Israel that are in the nation of Israel to this Day. That's where all of this comes from, all right? Leah, the less attractive one, actually winds up having the most bunch of boys. 
Uh, and it's recorded she has a daughter named Dinah. They probably had all kinds of daughters, I would think. They only record uh, the boys because that's just the culture of the way it was. They mention a daughter. It's usually for a specific reason, which is what we're going to get to today with Dinah, why they even mention her name. Uh, uh, Rachel, the really pretty one, only has two, dies in childbirth with the second one. Uh, they start giving their handmaidens to uh, Jacob, so he has babies with them. So, you know, Jacob, they're pimping him out with these four women. He basically has four wives. And they wind up, at the end of the day, 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. And then we ended last time with this account where Jacob, he's trying to, you know, he's trying to get away from Laban that he's been working. He worked 14 years for the two girls, and he still can't get away from them. And he works years and years and years and years, and he's doing everything he can for Well, he wants something for himself at some point. I want to build my own legacy, right? Every kid wants to start having his own checkbook. So he makes a deal with him and says, I'll tell you what, you just keep all the nice, clean lambs and everything else, and I'll just keep the spotted ones and stuff. Well, Laban goes, cool, that's a great deal, because most of them are not spotted. Well, Jacob goes out, and he is trusting God for spotted animals. And he puts streaks and spots everywhere where these animals are hanging out. And all of a sudden, they all start having spotted and streaked animals. So he starts getting all of them, and all the wealth starts shifting to him. You say, why did that happen? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say God told him to do that. You say, well, can I do stuff like that? Look, there's a difference between what the Bible records and what it teaches. It records this work for him. It was probably his version of faith. God honored his faith. All we know is now all the wealth starts passing over to Jacob. He starts having all these animals, which was the key to wealth uh, in those days. Um, that's what happened. I would not recommend going around and putting polka dots all over the house so that you can have polka dot cats or whatever. It's, it's, that's not the way it works. It was just a miraculous thing that happened for him. The Bible doesn't teach us to do that kind of stuff. Although the lesson of faith is there. Trust God. If you will trust God, the impossible becomes possible. All right, so brings us to today as we start wrapping up the life of Jacob because we're going to get into the life of Joseph, the last, the second to the last, actually, of all those 12 boys. An amazing story. So we get these two final accounts with, with Jacob. And I'm doing them in reverse order because I want to end with the one I think is more powerful. But uh, let's pick it up in Genesis chapter 34, uh, verse 34. Now this is about Dinah. Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. So Dinah, the daughter of Leah, had born, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob. The, un, the not pretty girl has Dinah. We saw that earlier. So she goes out to visit the women of the land. So she gets away from home. And when people get away from home, they tend to do things they shouldn't do. All right? So, now Shechem, the son of Hamor the Hivite, the ruler of that area. So Shechem sees her, and the Bible says he took her and raped her. Now, as I've told you many, many times, in the Old Testament, we're talking thousands of years. This event happened 5,000 years ago. The way they would write and stuff was, it's not like how we write and stuff. And of course, the language differences and stuff. The style of the way they would write in the Old Testament, when you read something in the Old Testament, you have to keep reading to find out what they're talking about. Because it doesn't really, if you, can, you can come to all kinds of conclusions that are way off until you get to the end. You know, it's like these movies that you got to watch a movie to find out to the end to see what, you know, oh, that all makes sense. Although my wife usually figures these things out right away, which is highly irritating. I don't know how she does that, you know. Three minutes in the movie, he's the one who does it. What? 
at the end. He's the one who does it. How did she know this? I don't know. But anyway, so that's the way it is. So it says that he rapes her. Well, that sounds like a violent, horrible, terrible thing, right? And which, which it would be. But as we read it, it gets a little confusing. It says in the next verse that his heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the young woman, and he spoke tenderly to her. You're such a pretty girl. Of course, she's away from home. What is she doing with this guy? She shouldn't be alone, especially in this culture 5,000 years ago. You're supposed to be off with boys by yourself, which you young ladies should still not be with boys. Off by yourselves. And all the parents said, amen. amen. All right. So, so it's not exactly what we're looking at here. So there's this connection between the two of them. Apparently, you know, he goes too far. Uh, but Shechem says to his dad, hey, more, get this girl as my wife. I love this girl. I want this girl. So now Jacob, the pop, heard that his daughter Donna had been defiled. Well, he found out that probably she was with this guy. And what are you doing with this guy? And what happened? And, ah! All right. So um, his sons were in the field with the livestock when Jacob heard about this. So he did nothing until they came home. Then Shechem's father, Hamor, went to talk to Jacob. Meanwhile, Jacob's sons had come in from the field. And as soon as they heard what had happened, they were shocked and furious. Because Shechem had done this outrageous thing in Israel by sleeping with Jacob's daughter. So this initial word translated rape. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We're not talking what we would typically think here. What happens is she gets in trouble. He takes advantage of her. Uh, but he loves her. It's, it's not exactly the kind of rape thing that we're talking about. But you shouldn't do it. And in this culture, you definitely didn't do stuff like this. Because you tick off the family. You're in big trouble. Particularly if you tick off the brothers. Now, she's got 12 of them. Don't mess with the brothers. So the brothers find out, and they're just hort. They're mad as they can be. So, but now back to Hamor, the dad of Shechem. <laughs> my son Shechem, he says this, look, my Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. He loves the girl. They got together. I know it should. They, they just want to make it right, okay? So that makes sense. I think something like that happens. You, you should make it right. And he said, well, intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. You know, we'll become one big happy family and we can all settle together and sing Kumbaya. All right? Which is my translation here. Then Shechem said to Dinah's father and brothers, let me find favor in your... So the guy comes to the, for the brothers and says, guys, you know, can we work it out? Can we all just get along? You know, I want to make it right. I want to... Marry the girl and da 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 da. Remember, he'd been nice to her and told how pretty she was and all this other kind of stuff. So, let me do this. I'll give you whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride because they would do these dowries and stuff. And the gift I am, uh, am to bring you as great as you like. I'll pay whatever you ask for me. If I'm the brother, I'm thinking, all right. <laughs> what kind of cash can we get out of this deal? You know, I mean, because. Some of these people were insanely wealthy, you know. You give me anything you want. But the brothers really weren't into it. They were so mad. They were just seething that you would lay a hand on my sister. Well, because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's son replied deceitfully. And I said, uh, look, we, we can't really do such a thing. We can't intermarry with your family because we can't give our sister to a man who's not circumcised. We're all circumcised people. 
Remember, the only people at this point who were circumcised were Jews and, ironically, Arabs. Uh, Muslims to this day trace their heritage back to Abraham. That's the other group of people in the world that practices, for religious reasons, circumcision. Jews and Arabs, the two that are at each other's throats constantly to this day. All right? They're all like distant relatives. It's fascinating. Anyway, so look, we can't do this because you guys are uncircumcised. That, that would be bad. We'll, all, we'll enter the agreement with you only under one condition. That you guys become like us, circumcising your, all your males. And these guys are going... Okay, okay. Well, now that's love. Okay, this guy's definitely into this. I mean, he's really to give up the end of his, you know, willy for this. I mean... So not just him, but everybody, everybody, all the guys that are connected with this whole clan have to get the snip. So, but the Bible says they, they did it deceitfully because they didn't really want them to become circumcised and join the clan. They wanted them to get circumcised so they would be so sore they couldn't move. Ooh, why would they do that? Let us read. Verse 24, all the men who went out of the city gate agreed with Hamor. All the guys said, okay. I'd have been in the back going, wait a minute. But anyway, they all said, okay. And every man in the city was circumcised. Well, three days later, while all of them were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city and killed every single guy. Whoa! That's a ticked-off brother, all right? I mean, like, wow, 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 wow. So the whole point of them getting circumcised is so they'd be so sorry they couldn't move. And then two guys went and killed them all. Oh! Bad enough getting circumcised. Now someone's killing you with a sword. Anyway, all kinds of lessons here about, you know, do life right, da-da-da-da-da, and, you know, the whole family interactions, all right? So that's kind of like a big deal in that culture. They were very, very intense about how to do things and about don't mess with my family. Now let's back up to the event that happens just before it, which is the one I want to talk about the most. That night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants, which also is wise, uh, and his 11 sons and crossed the ford with 11 because Benjamin isn't born until after this. We skipped ahead to see what it was. This is when she dies in childbirth for Benjamin. But so it takes 11 sons, everybody crosses the ford to Jabak, uh, of Jabak. And then he sent them across the stream and sent over all his possessions. He's basically, he's running from Laban at this point. He's just trying to get away from him because he's trying to start his own life. And you can read it on your own. They have all these interactions. Uh, so anyway, so Jacob was all alone. And a man wrestled with him till daybreak. That's kind of an odd thing. Now, again... Old Testament. We don't know what they're talking about until we get to the end. I'll skip ahead so it makes sense for you now. It's an angel. Jacob sees an angel. How he knew it was an angel, I don't know. Uh, maybe he was glowing. I have no idea. The Bible says that angels actually can walk amongst us and you won't even recognize them. Isn't that wild? In fact, the New Testament says you should be kind to everybody and be hospitable to everybody because some people have been hospitable to angels without even knowing it. All right? 
There could be angels sitting here right now. Undoubtedly, Joe is an angel. <laughs> Pastor Joe, yes. Sorry. So anyway, so he sees this angel, recognizes him, and it says he wrestles with him. Now, we're not talking, you know, Greco wrestling like in the Olympics. By the way, when I was in school, high school, we had to do sports. And one of them we had to do was wrestling, and, and I just hated it. Not that I hate the sport. Great sport. I just, I don't want to do it. First of all, I don't want a sweaty guy getting that close to me. All right? And they grab each other. And the thing with wrestling is, you do wrestling in school? Anybody do wrestling? Who did wrestling? Nobody? Really? Man, when I was growing up, they forced to do all this and us. Okay. So they do it. Now, here's the thing with wrestling. There's no break. Some guy grabs you. You grab him. And it's, until somebody stuffs somebody into the ground. Pins them. It's not like football. You line up, you smack somebody. All right, let's get back. Let's line up. What are we going to do next? Different strategy. And then you do it again. Okay. Or basketball. Where you going? And you can slow down the pace until you get to think things through and stuff like that. And then you can act. All sports. You know, baseball. You can take a nap during baseball. I mean, all kinds of stuff. You got all day in baseball to think what you're going to do next. All right? And actually, I enjoy baseball. It's just not the fastest thing on earth. All right? Could be worse. We could have what the British have. <laughs> cricket. South Africans, too. How long does it take for a cricket match? Five days. Five days. Somebody shoot me. All right? I just, this is awful. Pastor Latham, he knows because, did you play cricket? You did, a little bit. He was mostly a rugby player, smacking heads around. Anyway. So, uh, but anyway, the thing with wrestling, no respite. Somebody grabs you, grabs you, it's like you can, oh, wait a minute, let me, give me a second. I got to just kind of think this through. There's none of that. It's, oh, I hated it. Hated it. Now, why am I saying all this? I don't know. It just came to my mind. But, uh, but he's, he's wrestling with this angel. Now, we're not talking Greco wrestling and somebody's trying to pin somebody. It's an angel. Who do you think has the upper hand? The angel. As you keep reading it, you get the picture. What it is is Jacob sees this angel and goes, grabs him, and won't let go. And the angel's trying to get away from him. I just picture this guy on this guy's leg. Let go! Let go! And he just, he won't let go. All night long, he just refused to let go. And it says, when the man, who's an angel, saw that he could not overpower him, couldn't get rid of him. An angel has no power problem overpowering somebody, okay? So he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled. So now he's got pain. Pain. He's trying to get rid of this guy. He can't get rid of him. It's stupid. So he goes, ding, and the guy goes, ow. Now the reason for that is usually when something goes, ow, your hands go, ow, right? If my leg gets cut, I love my leg. If my foot gets stubbed, I love my foot. All right? It tells you, my ear, ow. The tension goes to whatever's hurting. So he smacks this guy's, Jacob's, <laughs> hip, thinking he'll go, ow! And get, but he wouldn't let go. He wouldn't let go. Even with this big owie in his hip, he's still, Ugh! Then the angel, says the man, we'll find out at the end now, it's going to be an angel. The angel says, for the love of heaven, 
Will you let go? It's daybreak. We've been doing this all night long. But Jacob says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Wow, it's because he knows. See, that's where we find out that he knows who this is. Oh, he's an angel. And the angel asks him, what's your name? He says, Jacob, like he didn't know his name. Jacob. And then God, really speaking through the angel, says this, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel. And to this day, it's known as the nation of Israel and the Israelites. I'm changing your name to Israel because you have struggled with God and with humans and overcome. God loved the fact that he was so stubborn. Now, there's stubbornness. That can be very frustrating. There's bad stubbornness, and then there's good stubbornness. They kind of blend together a lot of the time. (laughs) Some people complain, my kid, I have a four-year-old. It's so stubborn, Pastor. So, hey, hang in there. He might be a Fortune 500 CEO someday. (laughs) Give you some money. (laughs) Some of the greatest leaders are nightmares as children. It's true. Some of the most successful people were tornadoes as children. Some of the most charismatic men who preach in Green Bay, Wisconsin, used to be a nightmare as a child. Why? Because we're stubborn, loud people. (laughs) It starts early. And there's something about it that God loves. Why? Why would God love that version of stubborn? Because it refuses to give up. Now, I don't know where you're at in your faith this morning. Some of you, I'm sure, are doing very well, and life has been great, and this has been awesome in Wisconsin. We've had like two, three days of summer, (laughs) which is pretty much it for us now. This snow by a week and a half from now, I don't know. But But others of you are having a hard time. You're just having a hard time. Say, Pastor, it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard like wrestling. I hate wrestling. (laughs) It's hard. What should I do? Just hang on. At some point, you just got to hang on. You say, Pastor, I have no hope. What should I do? Hang on. You say, Pastor, I'm so tired. What should I do? Hang on. You say, I'm at the end of my rope. What do I do? Tie a knot. Hang on. You say, but why is this happening? God wants to see if you're going to hang on. But it's more than I can handle. See, now that's the catch. Because he promises he'll never let you take on more than you can handle. The thing is, in times like that, you learn you can handle more than you thought you could. So when the Bible says you won't get more than you can handle, I'm thinking, you know, cold french fries or something. (laughs) But apparently it's a lot harder than that. There's times where you just, you ever just want to quit? You know what I'm talking about? You're a good person. You're a nice person. You love God, but you just want to quit and say, I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. What do you do? Hang on. You just hang on. You have to trust that, number one, he won't let you be tempted more than you can handle. He won't give you more than you can handle. But he'll always show up for you. Jacob had to hang on to this guy all night long. I just think that's stunning. I mean, that's a lot of stubbornness. I can say hang on to a guy for like five minutes. 
<laughs> all night? Yeah, sometimes it's all night. There's a scripture that says, weeping may endure for a night. You ever feel like crying? Just crying for no reason. Or you got really good reasons, and you're just crying. Not really accomplishing anything. <laughs> I've had moments like that. I've had more than I care recently, to be honest with you. And you just cry. And you say, oh, God, why, God, why, God? It seems like all you hear is crickets. It seems like you're at the end of your rope. What do you do? Hang on. That's the lesson today. Hang on. Weeping may endure for a night, the scripture says, but joy comes in the morning. It'll always turn. It'll always turn. How will I know that? I'm telling you, God is faithful. He does not lie. No matter what you're going through today. No matter what you're going through, what you're experiencing, what you're struggling is, there is daylight coming in your life. It doesn't feel like it. You know, as I'm so frustrated, Pastor, I just... My spouse is driving me crazy. I have visions of strangling him in his sleep, you know. <laughs> My kids are full of demons. I don't know. Their heads spin around. I don't know what to do with them. I, I hate my job. My job is awful. I work for idiots. I work for idiots. Oh, God, how can an idiot be in charge of everything? God, I'm so sick. Why am I so sick? Why are we so sick? What's going on? I don't know. What I do know is God is faithful. He's always faithful. And sometimes you can't even pray. You ever feel like that? You hit a wall. Like you can't even pray. It's like you open up the Bible and it's like Swahili. It's hard to even read the Bible. It's hard to, you just hit a wall and it's dark and it's cold and it's the middle of the night and some, you're holding on to some sweaty guy's leg. What do you do? You just hang on to say, Lord, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. So if you're struggling today, whether you're over at Stevens Point and struggling, Appleton struggling, here struggling, watching us on TV or the internet, I want you to know something. God knows who you are. Jesus said he knows about every hair on your head. He keeps count of every hair on your head. It got easier with me the older I got. He knows, <laughs> he knows about you. When you feel like he doesn't know that he's gone, he's on a trip somewhere, I'm telling you, it's just your night to hang on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your faithfulness. Lord, sometimes life is hard and tests are hard and the struggles that we encounter, it feels like it's, overwhelming us. There's days where you think, I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm not going to make it. But we're grateful that you are faithful. Nobody likes to suffer. I don't even like to be inconvenienced, Lord. But sometimes we suffer and we go through hard times. But you know what? You're always faithful. Weeping may endure for a night, but we know joy comes in the morning. Sometimes we have to wrestle with the angel and hang on no matter what, but the morning always comes.
will be true. He said, he who endures to the end. That's always a tick, trick <laughs> to keep enduring. That's the hard part. But help us, Lord, take heart. I pray for anyone who's listening to me right now, if they're really struggling, if they're really discouraged, help them to take heart. Help them to feel loved. Help them to be valued. Help them to know that you care about them and that this too shall pass. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen.